Hello, and welcome to Building Community with Whitney and Anu. We are two Asian American millennials who aim to empower our communities through our stories and words, one cup of tea at a time. Did you ever read advice columns? If you're anything like me as a teenager, I loved reading advice columns in newspapers and magazines because for me, if the reader had a question that I had thought about, it helped me feel less alone. And a lot of times the answers were helpful and entertaining. Anu and I thought that we would recreate that here on Building Community in our episode, Ask an Asian Auntie. So as a lot of us Asians know, though well-meaning, aunties can give some unsolicited advice sometimes, which may or may not be very helpful. So what we did was we took your questions that were sent in from our listeners. And so we're going to answer some of those and try to give advice that is compassionate, useful, and entertaining. So the first question we received was from a listener. Dear aunties, how do you deal with ignorant people who make, quote, gray area prejudice comments? So like not outright prejudice comments, but more of those awkward, uncomfortable comments. It's like, do I say something or not? So this is something that Anu and I talk about on the podcast a lot where it's like, um, so I'm not really sure what this listener considers what a gray area prejudice comment means, but everyone's patience is really different depending on what situation they're in. So if they're at work, they might add differently if they're say on the subway. Um, I'm assuming that you are talking about microaggressions. So it's like, you don't get a racial slur thrown at you, but it's like when someone says something really alienating and they wouldn't have said that if you were part of the privileged class. So how do you deal with that? So for me, I depend on which environment that I'm in. So if I'm at work and somebody says that I speak English really well, so that hasn't happened to me in a long time, but it has happened to me before. Sometimes depending on the power dynamic, I'll be like, oh, thanks or whatever. And I don't really want to put that emotional labor into educating that person at the time. But luckily for me, I have people in my life that I can go vent to later. And so for me, that is something that I've dealt with. But if it's a friend or if it's someone who I want to form a relationship with, if they say something that's hurtful, like if they say like um, something that's happened to me before, like, oh, can you write your my name in Japanese? And it's like, I don't speak Japanese yet. But also that's kind of hurtful because you're exoticizing a language that's native to a, um, a country that my roots are in. And so I'll try to put in that labor to educate that person. So I think f- I've seen that everyone's patience is different and it kind of depends on the situation you're in because your safety should come first and your sanity should come first. I would say if it's something that, you know, upsets you or causes discomfort, you know, and it's something you want to address, like, yeah, go ahead and address it um, in a, in a time and place um, where you feel it's appropriate. So our next question A few months back, I decided for the first time in a very long time that I wanted a relationship. It felt risky and vulnerable, but I said it out loud anyways. The next thing I knew, it happened. Is this random coincidence or did the universe hear me? I think the universe heard you. (laughs) (laughs) We're in agreement. It sounds like the universe heard you. Yeah, they were like, asking you shall receive, dear listener. Bam. Like, yeah, please, Tinder please message. share us like, please share with us your secrets. Like yeah. that is, uh, that's amazing that you, you know, you, you, you visualized it and you manifested it. Yeah. Sometimes the universe can just give you what you want. And it's like, I'm not a religious person, but I believe that there are things that happen that can't be explained. And that's what makes life interesting. Right. So like, if you try to answer everything with like a logical answer, then it could make life kind of boring. And so it's kind of fun to think like, oh, something that I can't explain happened, at least for me it is. And so I, um, I think you should take this gift and I hope you're having fun in this relationship and, um, yeah, write it down. If you want something, write it down and hopefully you'll get it. All right. Next question is from another listener. Dear aunties, when white people ask you, quote, where are you from? How do you deal with it as a woman of color? This is this is interesting because I feel like I feel like as people of color, we we will probably get this question like throughout our lives. But, 
How do I deal with it? So, you know, I wish I were at the point where like I'm just a little more firm in that I'm from Michigan because that's where I grew up. Like I grew up there since I was like four or five years old and um, English, I would really consider my first language. And like I, I basically grew up in America. So uh, I was I was born uh, in India, but I grew up in America. So I always relate to Michigan as the place that you know, I grew up in and where I'm from. So I wish I could just like leave my answer at that when people ask me, like, I wish I could just say, oh, I'm from Michigan. Um, but usually I will add in like, oh, I'm from Michigan, but uh, I was born in India and I came over here when I was four or five. It's sort of like, I want to like give ease to their confusion <laughs> as to like, you know, when they look at me, they're like, oh, the, but she she seems very like Indian presenting. I almost want to like address all aspects of that question, but in the future, I just feel like I'm going to be too tired to like do all this like elaboration and all of that. So in the future, I, I may just very well be like, yeah, I'm from Michigan. And then they can just be like, okay, they're, they might not be looking, getting the answer that they're looking for, but I think, uh, at some point in life, you just get over that point of like trying to please others and trying to explain yourself. So I do want to reach that point at some time. Definitely. I think as future aunties, I'm already pretty tired of that question. And so when somebody asks where I'm from, here's what I'll do. So I'll be like me and I'll point at myself. I'll be like me. Well, I'm from Monterey, California. Where are you from? And of course, that's never the answer they ask for, right? So they'll typically ask like a follow-up question. So they'll be like, oh, where are you really from? Or where are your people from? And so I've gotten to a point where I double down. Like, so I'll tell you, dear listeners, what my family is like. So I'm a fourth generation Japanese American and my family's history is sparse and kind of complicated. So I don't think some random stranger needs to know that, but you listeners can know that. But so I'll technically just say, well, we're all from California, which is technically true. Because like most of my family, they, we all live in California. Like we're very small. We live in California, but um, that's not the answer they want. They want some like exotic answer and I'm just too tired to give that. And so what I usually do to kind of give that back to them a little bit is to ask them the invasive questions back. So it's like, if you're going to be nosy, then you get to feel this awkwardness too. So I'll say like, oh, where are you from? Where are your people from? And they might, they'll probably give a boring answer. Like, oh, we're all from England or whatever, but that's, that's just, it's for me, but also hopefully. So they feel like, why did you ask that? Like, why did you feel that need to ask that? Like, if I looked different, then you might've not asked that. That's how, that's how I deal with it. I just tell them the truth. Like I'm from Monterey, California. It's sort of like, if you're, if you're, you know, going to ask someone a personal question, you have to be open to answering a personal question back. So I had a therapist ask me what my ethnicity was once. And I think she, I asked her like why she asked that. Cause she's a therapist and she works for me. And I was like, um, why do you ask that? And she, I guess this is a question that she like goes around just asking people. And I said like, well, that can be kind of invasive to some people. Like, I don't know, you might find someone who doesn't want to share that. And she like took that in consideration. This was a therapist I had many years ago, but mm -hmm. yeah. And also you don't really owe anyone anything. So if you really don't want to, and you're willing to deal with the follow that might happen because people are entitled sometimes um you can just decline to answer and that's okay too our next question what are your biggest regrets joys successes and obstacles so this is technically not an advice question so what i'm going to do is i'm going to answer this in order because i love you dear listeners and i'm going to give some onto approved advice so biggest regret by far is taking out a student loan because I'm going to be paying that shit back for another 10 years at least. And though, and I regret the loan. I don't regret going to college because it's given me a lot. It's given me an education. It's helped expand my horizons. I met my fiance there. So like I loved being in college, but what I think is problematic is that a lot of young people are pressured into taking out a lot of loans that screw you over later. So you can't afford a home or you can't afford to have children if you want to have children or you can't afford to do things that your parents kind of took for granted and so 
I think it's important for you to think about what you want your future to look like before you sign off that loan because you're 18 and like the economy like may or may not recover. And so there's a lot to think about if you want to take out a loan. I would also consider going to community college because I went to community college and I met a lot of awesome people there and took a lot of classes. And my degree says I graduated from UC Santa Cruz, just like anyone else. So that's a way to save money. So you don't have to take out as many loans. Um, biggest joy is probably when I'm traveling somewhere. I really enjoy traveling, seeing different places, um, going on adventures. Um, I also like creating things, which is like this podcast or painting or learning new things. Um, biggest successes. Probably for me, like I've been really introspective over the past couple of years, more introspective than usual because of the isolation that the pandemic had brought. And so for me, I think a big success is despite living in this kind of like dystopian society that we live in, I still have the drive to create a lot of different things. So I am still passionate about my projects that I'm on and also willing to take on new projects, which is great. And God is willing, I'll continue to do that. And um, even though I'm not on social media as much, I'll still be making stuff. Um, biggest obstacle is probably dealing with the prejudices that come with being a woman. Like, I think that there's a lot of different laws that are going into effect, like for, um, for abortion and like body autonomy. And so I think that is going to bring a lot of people down. And so dealing with the prejudices that come with being a femme presenting person and also a woman of color and a lesbian, like I love being all three of those things, but I think the prejudices and the biases that one must face with that is what makes it harder. Yeah, for me, my biggest regret, I think, would probably be um, just not having more fun um, in uh, school and college. I, I, I feel like, um, I don't know, I don't know if I've shared this before, but I skipped uh, kindergarten and first grade. Um, so I always felt a little bit of a step behind everyone else in my grade and just sort of a little bit of a step behind in life, like socially and de developmentally, I just felt a little bit of a step behind. So when I say just have like, I think my regret is just that I was really focused into academics, which education is important. You know, I'm not discounting that, but I just wish I had had more fun and been more in the moment and also, you know, had, you know, not been crazy, but, you know, like just sort of explored a little more, explored, taken a little more risks and so on, because I was a very like cautious, sheltered um, person in, in school as well as college for the most part. Um, I wasn't like one to like, <laughs> like go to like, you know, the raves or whatever. Not that I'm suggesting to go to raves, but like, I'm, I'm basically just saying like, I wish, I wish I had just been more in the present at the time and just enjoyed it more. Um, one of my biggest joys is probably expressing myself through writing. I've done that through fiction writing. I've also done it through poetry and um, particularly through poetry. Um, the last couple of months have been some of the hardest, I think, in my life, because for me, it was just like this. Uh, for me, I think it was just the accumulation of the pandemic and um, like the burnout that created. And so being able to transfer like those emotions and like that pain and just like um, frustration with the pandemic and just life in general as it is now, being able to translate that into writing and poetry has been really, really helpful for me and really liberating in a lot of ways. So that's a, that's one of my biggest joys is being able to have that outlet for myself and an outlet that I can share with others as well. In terms of biggest uh, success, I would say my biggest success is probably getting my uh, is probably getting uh, my master's degree because um, that that was that was definitely a hard road. Um, I didn't know how hard it would be at the time. I, I moved to California on my own at 
you know, at 24 and um, started grad school. And I mean, that process was just, uh, it was the, the stress and pressure of it was looking back on it. It was quite a lot, but I just, I feel like I took it in stride and got through it and, um, actually really enjoyed my time in grad school. So that's something I didn't do in college or really high school, but in grad school, I really enjoyed my time, you know, found a great community there, um, found great mentors there. And, um, for the most part, I would say, you know, really had fun with it as much as you can have fun in, you know, a stressful, high pressured, uh, academic environment. I think I would say I really had fun with it. So I'm just really proud that I was, you know, able to get that degree, sometimes work part-time while going to school and, and all of that, and just balance all those things. Um, biggest obstacle. I think my biggest obstacle in life is probably anxiety. Um, that's something like I've always struggled with. Um, I would say more so I've struggled with like later on, like in, in my early twenties, I've struggled with a lot more, but, um, yeah, anyone who deals with anxiety or any kind of, um, um, any type, any type of, uh, wellness issue will probably understand like that is a whole different ball game where, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's one thing having a physical, um, issue, you know, something that people can see, but when it's, when it's a psychological issue or something you're dealing with internally that people can't see, I mean, one can't really see how much you're struggling or, um, I've been fortunate enough to not really have any panic attacks, um, for the most part, but, like one, one would not be able to, an outsider would not be able to see the impact that those kinds of things have on your life and how debilitating it can be and how, you know, how you can go through a lot of your life just being scared or avoiding doing things. So I would say that's my biggest obstacle. And if any, anyone is, you know, in that position and struggling, I, I certainly um, relate to the struggle. Um, you know, therapy has, has certainly helped me, but I'd say that's my biggest obstacle, but I'm also very proud to say that it's something that I have overcome, have, and continue to overcome and will probably continue to overcome for the rest of my life. Definitely. Um, as someone who also struggles with anxiety, it's an everyday battle. And so it's like, what's scary about anxiety and for me, depression, it's like, it's something that you battle within yourself every day. So it's like this internal battle where it's like you get up and you you have to like decide to do other things that people take for granted. And so anyone who deals with that obstacle on the daily, um, we have so much admiration for you and we definitely empathize and relate. Yes. Next question. Um, is there any way to figure out if another woman is a lesbian? You know, I've been openly gay for over a decade and I still don't have an answer to this. Um, it used to be like a collection of stereotypes, like kind of jokes within the lesbian slash sapphic community. So it's like you look for things like short nails or a flannel or a big key ring or um like short hair and i've had all i've had all of those and like none of that works for me um people just are doomed to think that i'm straight when i'm not um so the best way to figure out if another woman is a lesbian is to talk to her about lesbian things and you can eventually get to the point of asking her you don't have to say like hey you're a lesbian you can just like say you can ask her out you can like talk to her about the elder generation Q or um what's another like kind of stereotypical like, girl in red people are listening to girl in red right now but yeah i would i would say you just start to talk to her about lesbian things and you could even eventually get to asking her out for coffee or a drink um i'm assuming that this listener is also a lesbian and maybe interested in this person so you should listen to your auntie whitney on this one i've been a lesbian for a long time openly queer so 
I've also seen a lot of lesbians just afraid to shoot their shot and be like, oh, no one made a move. It wasn't meant to be. And it's like, actually, you just were really useless and you didn't ask her anything. You just kind of let her walk away. So before you start writing sad songs about how you lost some mystery woman who got away, you should just ask her if she's a lesbian or you should ask her lesbian things and just just talk to her. She's not she if she's not into women, it's not a problem. You just say, okay, thanks. And you leave. Like, it's not a big deal. It's truly isn't like as someone who's like kind of tried to talk to someone and then only to find out that they have a boyfriend. This was like many, many years ago. It's not a big deal. You just say, okay, thanks. And you walk away. Like, don't, don't worry about it. Yeah. I think, I think in life, like a lot of us just spend, spend time, you know, like overthinking and worrying about rejection or, and things like that. So definitely, um, yeah, I totally agree. Definitely, you know, take your shot. I'm one of those people who's like well-versed in rejections. Um, in, in, uh, I actually, in, in grad school, I actually applied to over a thousand internships before landing my, um, dream internship. So, that was, that was a lot of rejection, but it, it goes to the saying that, you know, if you don't try, then you won't know. Definitely. And it also helps to go to LGBT events. I mean, there aren't, there unfortunately aren't a lot of spaces for just lesbians. And I really hope that changes in the future, but it's likely if you go to an LGBT event, you'll, you might meet a woman who identifies as sapphic or is into women. Um, and so you don't have to be like, are you a lesbian? You can just like, kind of, if you hit it off, you hit it off and that's great. So um, yeah, go where the people are and try to see, see what happens. Dear aunties, what should I look for in various things that are considered markers of success, such as a partner, apartment, or employer? These are oddly specific. <laughs> these are, these are specific. <laughs> Listen, our, our listeners are detailed, intricate, complicated beings they're out people yeah you know so um so (laughs) what should I look for in various things such as a partner oh boy um I think I think for a partner one of the things that is really like important for me is to be with someone who really sees and understands me um that's a big thing Um, there's actually this quote that says basically about relationships, um, or partnerships or marriages or whatsoever. It basically says something to the lines of, if you, if you don't find someone who speaks the same language as you, you may spend your whole life trying to translate to them. And I just imagine that process of like translating, like trying to translate your humor, trying to like clarify your intentions, you know, trying to just like find that connection with someone you're not really that connected with. So, I mean, for me, that is very important is sort of to have, to speak the same language metaphorically, um, you know, sort of have humors, our senses of humors that coincide, definitely have the same values in life. That was something one of my friends um, has has really like taught me is values are so important. So if, if like a value for you is uh, commitment versus, you know, uh, maybe a more like uh, maybe a different lifestyle where commitment is not as important to you, then that, I mean, that's, that's, that's a big value. If a value to you is having kids versus, you know, you don't really want to, and you, you, you'd rather not have kids. That's a huge value. Like those are, those are important things I would say to really discuss in a partnership. And also I think are probably good, uh, good predictors in terms of success, um, in my opinion. So, um, just the values and also making sure that you have some of those like core qualities that are, they don't have to be exactly the same, but that sort of mesh well with each other. So you're not like, so you're not just like butting heads or just misunderstanding each other in some ways. 
So that's for a partner, for an apartment. I'd say marker of success is just how comfortable you feel in it. Um, I've been in places where I've it's where I where I've lived, um, whether it be an apartment or like a house with housemates. I've been in places where I haven't always felt super comfortable. And one thing that's very important to me, um, especially now that I'm older, um, is to make my home or place of living, make it sort of a sanctuary for me, because I mean, I find adult life is already, you know, kind of uh, stressful and tough. It, you know, we, we have the, we have like this nonstop work culture in America and um, really in some ways, a lot, a nonstop culture work, then, doing work, doing things at home. It's, it's, it's sort of just like this always on the go culture. So for me, having a place that is a place that you can just relax and chill out and, um, truly find peace in is really important. And then lastly, marker of success for your employer, I would say if you have career goals or if you have like uh, goals in terms of like where you want to go um, and, you know, what you want to do in terms of your job, an employer that actively facilitates that and encourages that, like that would be a huge marker of success for me is um, just an employer that takes like an active interest in helping you grow. And that's certainly something that uh, as, as a future manager, that's something I would certainly like to, uh, I'd like to promote heavily is just um, caring about people's career growths because no one, no, I don't think, no, I don't think anyone like aims to be like aims to be stagnant in their career. Like everyone wants to grow and improve and to have an employer that is invested in your growth and improvement. Um, not only as an employee, but just as a person, I think is is really um, is really remarkable. And um, I, for me, that's that's uh, definitely a big indicator of success. Today's episode is sponsored by Ana Luisa Jewelry in New York City. We are really excited to partner with Ana Luisa because they make this beautiful, elegant jewelry that looks and feels really expensive, but the pieces remain at an affordable price point with many pieces starting at $39. As people who care about the environment, we were also excited to hear that they're also carbon and water neutral meaning that they participate in carbon offsetting projects during production. So that benefits everyone in our community and beyond. With spring coming up, Ana Luisa Jewelry is doing a promotion where it's buy one, get one 40% off when you type in shop.analuisa.com slash community. That's shop.analuisa.com slash C-O-M-M U-N-I-T-E-A, which makes this a great opportunity to get something for yourself and another special person in your life. Mother's Day is important to me because it's a time to celebrate someone who has taken care of me and show my appreciation back to them. A gift from Ana Luisa Jewelry would make a great gift for mothers and aunties alike. With a variety of styles, you're sure to find something for anyone who likes to feel confident and affirmed. Additionally, new collections are released every Friday, so keep checking back if you're looking for something unique. So go ahead and treat yourself and a loved one to a new piece of jewelry with Ana Luisa's buy one, get one 40% off sale by using the link shop.analuisa.com slash C-O-M-M-U-N-I-T-E-A. Again, that's shop.analuisa.com slash community. Whitney and I are sure that you'll love what Anna Luisa Jewelry has to offer. Now back to the show. So for a partner, I definitely agree with the shared values thing, like Anna was saying. Like when I met my fiance, it was like we are very different people. Like we have different interests. Like they're very much into science and math, and I'm into the more creative side, humanities, et cetera. Um, but we share our values a lot. So we both are compassionate people. We're both 
have the same sense of humor. We both have this drive for adventure and change and we like to make a home together. And so I think for a partner, it's okay to find someone who's different from you, but as long as you share the same values, um, and it could be anything from like where you want to live or what kind of house you want to live in. Like when I found my apartment here in Chicago, I wanted to live in a neighborhood that was walkable. And so I wanted to sell my car before I moved here. And I did. So I could live in a neighborhood where I could run my errands quickly and I could walk around the neighborhood and feel like I was part of a community rather than like the sprawl that a lot of other places that I've lived in had become. And so I think for a partner, like, yeah, it's good to have someone who's on the same page about various life goals. It's like, do you want to get married? Do you want to have children? Like I needed someone who was okay with not having children because that's something that I don't see myself doing. But I also wanted to be with someone who is down to travel and down to try different things. Um, I have someone who likes to try new foods with me. So if there's a new restaurant that has food that neither of us have ever tried before, we'll go and try it. Like I have someone who wants to have pets with me. So like, it's good to find those kinds of things where you visualize like how you want your life to be. And you find a partner who also wants those things. Um, for an apartment, these are kind of interesting because this is just my definition of success in these things. Like you're for listeners, like your definition of success might be different. So like for me, when I visualized my apartment that I live in Chicago now, um, I wanted a walkable neighborhood. I wanted a vintage building. I live in a 102 year old building. Um, and I wanted to have a place that was cozy and smaller. Um, you might want to live in a high rise luxury apartment, or you might want to live in a cottage or a beach house. And growing up in California, I also wanted to live in a beach house, but I also wanted to live somewhere that was affordable. So for me, I thought it was a marker of success by finding this apartment that I live in now. For an employer, yeah, I absolutely agree with Anu with career development. For me personally, when I think about all three of these things, what they have in common is I would value my freedom to seek out adventures, to be creative and to just be myself. And so I look for that in all three of these things. So like for an employer, like I work very independently, like I'm a collaborative person, but I also value my time and my projects. So I can't be the type of person where it's like, if someone keeps coming up to me, like at my desk all the time, I'll be annoyed. And so I value someone who um, I value a manager who trusts me to do my work. I value someone who gives compassionate and honest feedback, someone who values my career growth and someone who just kind of lets me do my thing. Um, so I have that freedom to work from home also and go in the office sometimes. And I can openly talk about struggles or things that I want to do in the future. And so luckily I've, I feel like I found that here in Chicago. Um, I've also found my apartment here. So I live in a very walkable neighborhood. I don't miss my car at all. And actually, whenever I'm in a place where people primarily commute by car, I kind of miss my public transit system. So for that, for that, that's a marker of success to me. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so next question, dear aunties, tell me your favorite thing to do on vacation or on a night out. Bold of you to assume that I still go out at night. <laughs> Like, but, um, favorite thing to do on a night out. I like to go out to dinner. Um, so I'm a foodie, total foodie. I'm always talking about how I like to try different types of food. Chicago is a great place for food. And I like to go out to dinner, to dinner. Um, that's pretty much the only time you'll see me go out at night. I'll occasionally go to a poetry reading or whatever, but typically it's to have dinner. Um, but huh, this is more of a, about Whitney and Anu question but I'm happy to oblige. Um, having just come back from a vacation, I just went to Washington DC for the first time, which I'm really excited about. So my favorite thing to do is to find places that locals hang out at. So what has happened to me is that I think it's because I grew up in a very touristy town. So Monterey has like the aquarium, Cannery Row, um, anything that a Steinbach fan would enjoy, just you could go enjoy that at Monterey. And so I think I tend to value tourist attractions a lot less than the average traveler. So I try to find like markets that locals will shop at. So if there's like a farmer's market, I'll like go to the farmer's market. Or if there's a museum that's off the beaten path, I'll go to that museum versus another museum. So when we were at DC, 
I wanted to go see the cherry blossoms because that's one of my favorite flowers. And so we went to see the cherry blossoms and we also found this bookstore called Capitol Hill Books. And it was like this tiny house and it looks like somebody took their Victorian and put a bunch of bookshelves in it. So it's three stories. So in the main story, there's a bunch of used books. And then if you go upstairs, there's like a bunch of sci-fi and dictionaries. And um, if you go in their bathroom, there's like a foreign language section that you can buy books from. And then if you go downstairs, there's a bunch of graphic novels. And so it's, it's really cool to find like little gems like that. Like, I don't think I would have ever found that if it weren't for a lot of museums being closed. So that's my favorite thing to do. Just find, walk around, find different things, uh, find local cafes and restaurants. If a restaurant's crowded, there's a good chance that locals go there a lot. So it's good. That's what I usually do. So for me on a night out, I used to love going into the movies and, you know, watching whatever was out. Um, I haven't went to a theater since the pandemic started. So it's been almost a couple of years now, um, but I really did love doing that. Um, there's just something about the movies and like that form of escapism. And I feel the same way about books, um, just that, you know, just uh, sort of diving into another person's story um, and diving into this, you know, this different world that is, is attractive to a lot of movie watchers. Um on a night out, I would also, I would also go out and eat somewhere. I'm not like a huge fancy restaurant person. I'm more like, just like a regular restaurant person. Like I just like the, um, the simple things like red lobster, Applebee's, um, just getting a drink, you know, at a hole in the wall bar, just the simple pleasures in life in terms of favorite thing to do on vacation. So it's weird. I really have this bad habit during vacations and it's this bad habit that I've had since I was a kid. And it would be where, um, we would go somewhere as a family. And my favorite thing to do after we got to the place was to actually sit in the hotel room and just like snuggle under the covers and watch TV instead of actually going out and doing anything. So for example, like if I went to, I probably wouldn't do this now, but like if I went to Paris or some, or something like you may find me like snuggled under the covers watching like an American movie, like Home Alone or something instead of like going out and actually like exploring the sites. I probably wouldn't do that now, but like that was like the mentality that I had for a long time. It's just like, I would do the traveling, get to the hotel room, sort of feel tired and I'm just very much like a TV and snuggling type of person. So, yeah, so that's uh, where I'm at with that. But uh, when I do get out and, you know, see attractions and things like that, I typically aim to like see like one or two of the big attractions. That way I can, you know, just say, uh, you know, just have that experience for myself. Um, so when I went to New York, like obviously a big attraction there is the Empire State Building. So that was on my list of things to do, but um, I'm still very low key on vacations. Like I, I mean, I can't get away with uh, just like staying in the hotel room the entire time, like ordering room service <laughs> and um, just sleeping. But I, I feel like I do find a balance because for some people, like you know, vacations can be very like nonstop and on the go, like, oh, we have to do this on our itinerary. We need to go here. We need to visit here. We need to do this. And I'm just saying like, I'm the type of person where like for a vacation, like I really need a vacation. Like I don't want something that's like too rigid or organized or feels like work. Like I want something that's more like easy breezy and relaxed. And that's kind of how I approach vacations. When you mentioned the cinema, I thought about how it's one of the last places in society where you're expected to be quiet. And I actually really like movie theaters too, even though I haven't been since. I think the last movie I saw in theaters was Emma. It's Jane Austen book um, that turned into a movie and so 
yeah, I should definitely check out the cinema. It's very quiet, or at least it should be. All right, next question. Dear aunties, how can I stay safe traveling as a queer person? I would say um, in terms of traveling, um, just in general, like, you know, traveling with with another person can always is always a good thing, especially as a woman, you know, that's that's like added added security just to have like a friend or um, a companion along for the ride. And then, I mean, I'm I'm one to always like carry pepper spray and uh, I truly like maybe it's because I watch like a lot of these weird shows, but like, I truly believe that you need to come prepared to situations. So just like carrying, you know, carrying your self-defense tools and um, all of that, but also like some of those uh, just like more fundamental things, just being aware of your surroundings, being aware of like sketchy people around you. Like if you see a sketchy person, you know, probably don't want to like walk right up to them and um say hi you know you probably want to like probably want to keep your distance so just like those basic travel things I would say you know sort of intuitively um I think intuitively doing those things that are safe and um making sure that you are not putting yourself in a situation where you're at risk or feeling uncomfortable or with people that you don't trust or know. Um, I think those are all good, good points. Yeah, definitely. I was actually really excited to answer this question because I'm a queer traveler and this question is very relatable because there isn't a place on earth where LGBT people are completely safe. And that's really unfortunate. So we have to protect ourselves when we travel because we deserve the freedom to travel. So um, here's what I do when I travel. So when my fiance and I travel or if I travel alone, I do a lot of research on where I'm going, even if I know, even if I'm pretty familiar with where I'm going. So like when we went to D.C., D.C. is a fairly progressive place, so I didn't worry about it too much. But if I were going to a different state, then like when I visit my friend in Texas, like sometimes I'll think about different different places we can check out that are likely to be queer friendly or I'll figure out like different kind of plans for that um yeah always just being aware of your surroundings like if you go out during daylight hours it's better to go out during daylight hours than at night especially if it's an unfamiliar place um if you're in an unfamiliar place alone sometimes it can be really hard to navigate your way back if you don't really know where you're going like when I first moved to Los Angeles I lived on the west side and I was actually only a couple miles away from my home but I had no idea where I was and so I kind of just and my phone was dying so I like couldn't figure out where I was going I had to be picked up but I um yeah it can be kind of scary like even if you are in a safe place and you're just unfamiliar I also try to seek out the queer communities because we're everywhere. Like, even if it's not open, like we're everywhere. Um, when my fiance and I travel together, sometimes we will like walk together and stuff, but we'll refrain from showing affection, which is really unfortunate um, because in Chicago, we are pretty, we can be pretty affectionate. But so it's just a safety mechanism that unfortunately we have to think about. And so, um, yeah, the main takeaways, do your research and research extensively look up LGBT guides. I mean, there's a lot of different guides that people do. There's a lot of us who like to travel and we think about this all the time. So we've kind of done the work for you if you're a new traveler um, and also seek out the, your communities. Another thing that I have also started thinking about as a traveler is I don't necessarily want to support places that have anti-queer laws intact. So there's some states right now that I've just put in some anti-gay laws and I've decided to, as a traveler, vote with my dollar and not visit those states. So you can consider doing that as well. So you'll maybe consider visiting a more progressive state, or you'll consider asking your loved ones to boycott going to other states that don't necessarily support you or people like you. Because by voting with your dollar, that's really powerful. And that's the only thing that really speaks to capitalism. And unfortunately, like when you travel, you have to think about that. So that's what I do. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree on just, you know, definitely do that research, find those uh, 
spaces, places, and uh, faces that, you know, are going to be um, supportive and um, are going to be uh, a safe, a safe space for you. Uh, next question is, dear aunties, where does a thought go when it is forgotten? <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, this, this one's for you, Whitney. Is it? Let's give us the biology. Of this. <laughs> oh, I, I know very little. Um, <laughs> I know. Where, when I saw this question, I had to laugh because I thought that I thought that some like troll sent this to us. And I was like, where does or it's like a riddle? Like, where does a thought go when it's forgotten? And it's just it just sounds like something somebody would ask me if they're like really stoned. Just where does a thought go when it's forgotten? So, okay. So the first thing, the first thing I thought of was, have you seen the movie Inside Out? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, where Riley's, her memories, like they go into like this pit of like forgotten stuff. Oh my gosh, Whitney, so, that is actually exactly the thing that yeah. I thought of in this question too. That's crazy. Total wavelength. And so, but I do remember in college psychology, took a couple of psych classes, crashed some classes. Um, I have an art degree. Um, I learned that memories are first stored in the hippocampus and then can later go into the neocortex, which is supposed to help you with your decision-making and language. So I'm assuming that your thoughts when they're forgotten go somewhere there, but I'm an auntie, not a psychologist. So if we ever have a psychologist on the podcast, we're going to ask them this. I hope we remember, but yeah, it goes into the place. It goes into that pit and inside out obviously. <laughs> yeah, I, this is one of those things where like, I'm not really sure what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I, if I had to guess, I, I feel like, I feel like a thought, you know, it's, sometimes it can, I feel like sometimes you can have it, and then you forget it. And maybe it just like goes out of existence. But I also feel like a lot of the times you can have the thought, you forget it. And it's kind of like lodged back in like, like deep in your subconscious. Um, again, I'm totally unqualified <laughs> on this question. Um, but yeah, that's my thoughts on it. Or maybe you write it down in your diary and then you forget about it and then you read your diary again and you're just like, oh, there's that thought I forgot. So it goes there too. So, Yeah, I mean, yeah. Or yeah, maybe it just goes to this place of uh, forgotten thoughts, this little room of forgotten thoughts. Yeah. Huh. All right. So last questions for this episode. Dear aunties, how do I know when I'm in love? Oh, <laughs> well... <laughs> Well, I mean, I think when you know, you know, it's sort of like how I know I love Pizza Hut. Like, it, it, it's like, you know, like you have this like intense emotion and not just intense emotion, but like this longstanding, deep uh, rooted emotion um, and consistent emotion <laughs> but in all seriousness, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, I, I think that the way that I look at love is, you know, I, I, the way that I look at love is, is not something that has to be like something out of the movies, something like that's a fairy tale um, romance or like something that's perfect, just like the perfect uh, situation and the person says the perfect things or does the perfect things or you know, it's the most like romantic situation. Like I, I really don't necessarily like subscribe to that. I actually, I actually like, you know, sort of the, the quirkinesses of other, other people. And I like things that are a little more imperfect and a little more, more messy and a little more authentic and real, because sometimes I find like with those uh, situations with people where sometimes it can feel so perfect and they can be saying all the right things. Like sometimes for me, that's turned out to be like a bit of red flags and it's turned out to be a bit of a facade. Um, and, and that's not always the case, but for me, like, how would you know? I think when you get to that point where you are 
really thinking of someone else's well-being and placing it, you know, on the same level or above your own well-being, I would say you're probably in love. And I saw this question. I didn't really know how to answer this because again, love is so different from everyone. It's like when you listen to like Billie Holiday, do you think about this person? Like maybe you're in love Um, for, so I can just answer my point of view. So for me, it's like when I, it kind of just comes up like when you know, you know, like I don't think my fiance and I knew that we were going to end up wanting to get married. Like when we first got together, we were just kind of seeing where everything went and like being open. And we knew that we enjoyed being around each other and that we wanted to continue seeing each other. And so that eventually builds into being in love or loving someone. And I think that it's important to know that love is, is a lot of work. I think that like a lot of people they want love that's in the movies and there are elements like that for sure like you have fun with that person or you share an inside joke with that person or you'll do a lot of things for that person but there are also different ways of showing love where it's like you work problems out together or you go on adventures together or you have similar values or you'll give up something for that person or you'll listen to that person, respect that person. So I think if you do all of that and you can't really imagine your life without this person um, or these people, if you're Polly, um, then you you might be in love. Um, but that's something that only you can define for yourself where it's like, if you feel all these things, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a checklist that you just kind of check off, but it's something that you want to commit to in my experience. All right. So that concludes our first uh, part of our dear uh, aunties episode. And um, we thank you for, you know, the listener questions. And we're actually doing a second part because we have a bunch more questions to go through. (laughs) It may be it may be as random as this list, but hopefully it'll be just as uh, fun to go through. And thank you to Ana Luisa Jewelry for sponsoring this episode. Don't forget to use the link in our show notes or visit shop.analuisa.com slash C-O-M-M-U-N-I-T-E-A. You can get uh, Ana Luisa's buy one, get one 40% off sale when you use the link. So make sure to use that or visit our show notes. On that note, that concludes this episode and uh, we will see you next time.